0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Miss Independent Podcast.
1: I am your co-host, Katie, and I'm here with... Hi, everyone. It's Nika Farb. Welcome back. Happy Tuesday. Today, we're going to be talking about some of our predictions for 2021. So we've already had a month of this wonderful year pass us by, and there's still 11 months to go. A lot of things are happening in the world A lot of really great changes and we're here to talk about what's going on, where we see the world heading, and obviously we don't have a crystal ball, but these are just some of the things that we've been thinking a lot about and we're curious to dig into. Whenever I see posts that say, if only you'd invested in Tesla 10 years ago and you put in $1,000, you'd be a millionaire by now. I personally, I hate seeing posts like that because I get a little bit of FOMO. Like, damn, if only I'd invested in Tesla 10 years ago, I would have had all this money. So I'm trying to switch my thinking into a little bit more forward thinking and say, okay, 10 years from now, what decisions would I be really thankful for that I had made in my current state right now? What things in 10 years are going to take off and be... The next Teslas, the next Apples, the next Netflix, you know, what are these global trends going to be and where do we see the world? And that's why I'm really excited for today's episode because Katie and I are just going to get into it.
0: Hindsight is always 2020. So it's important not to let that get you down and just look to the future. And like we said in our last. Um, episode, there's always a ton of opportunities ahead of you. You just have to look and be mindful of them and want to take advantage of these opportunities. So we're going to talk about a couple of opportunities that we see um, happening. And yeah, do you want to get into the first one, Nika? you're I know
1: you're excited about this one. <laughs> yeah, for sure, but before we jump into it, I just want to say it's important to have an abundance versus a scarcity mindset. and this is something that we've talked about a little bit before. So when it comes to opportunities, you, instead of thinking about how you missed out on Tesla and constantly thinking about how maybe you missed out on that big, on the hype and, and the upswing, there's still so many opportunities out there to explore. So that's why I'm really excited to get into it. And while we're on the topic of Tesla, why don't we start off with the first prediction for 2021, and that's self-driving cars or electric vehicles. So Elon Musk, who, you know, is just a visionary he's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy so he sets out these outrageous goals for himself and you know what he achieves them because he publicly announces that he wants to drive radical change and then he pushes his orgs to the fullest that they can to actually get there and one of the predictions that he has is that in 2021 we're going to have full self-driving cars Or FSDs. So, no longer will there be a need to have a person behind the wheel. A car will be able to pick you up, drive you to wherever you need, and you sit in the passenger seat.
0: So, just to add on to that, speaking of self fulfilling prophecies, in 2018, Elon predicted that Tesla would produce 1 million cars by the year 2020. And guess what? They did produce over a million cars by the year 2020. So, that just goes to show that when he wants something,
1: he goes for it. He also predicted that Tesla is going to sell 20 million cars by 2027. But the thing is, that's only 1% of the car market. And for Elon, that's not enough. (laughs) No, that's not enough of the pie to take. Elon is a visionary. He sees the future to be, you know, in this certain space X driven, um, completely sci-fi version of reality. And And it's amazing to see how much he's accomplished so far. And I'm super excited to see, you know, where he's going to push the limits with this. I think there's a lot to say about how far he's brought the company. I mean, Tesla passed Toyota in terms of um, how much the company is worth. And now it's worth three times what Toyota is worth, even though they only produce 1% of the cars or or, sorry, even though they only own 1% of the car market right now.
0: That's crazy because Toyota has been such a powerhouse and known for their reliably made vehicles that last like 100 years. I know my Toyota Corolla that I still drive is probably like 20 years old and still functions and runs and drives really well. So wow, good for Tesla. Um, Just to go back to the prediction here, um, you were talking about how Elon predicted fully self-driving cars in 2021 which is nuts. What do you think about that, Nika?
1: So I think his application for it, for the fully self-driving vehicles, is that he wants to make his Tesla vehicles robo-taxis, where they make taxis and Ubers obsolete. So anyone who has a Tesla right now can have their Tesla rented out and earn around $30,000 USD in passive income. So basically, you rent your car out. It drives itself to go pick somebody up, Ubers them or delivers them to wherever they're headed, and then drives back autonomously, back into your garage or your driveway, wherever it's sitting. Which is just wild to think about. He's been able to transform a vehicle, which is usually a depreciating asset, which means, you know, if, if you're not familiar with the term depreciation, when you own a car, every year it loses value. Every year that you hold the car, it becomes less and less Of the initial price that you paid for it because it needs constant improvements and the car loses value
0: a car normally is more of a liability than it is an asset it breaks down all the time there's constant repairs that you have to do and um i think this is a well-known fact but once you drive a car off the lot in which you purchased it at it loses what is it like about 30 percent of its value or something crazy like that so
1: yeah for american cars i heard it's 50 percent yeah yeah but thanks also for correcting me miss accountant
0: No, no, no it's fine and but this is crazy because now we're looking at cars as an asset as something that can generate cash flow each month rather than a liability so i have so many questions around this starting with like no one kind of being in the car with these random people you're picking up to put in your car what if they damage your car What if this? What if that? Will the government even allow this to happen? Will the government allow a robot to uh, like drive on the streets like even now i think there are some not fully self-driving but some automatic cars but i think the rules and the law now states like you have to have both your hands on the wheel still i'm not really sure how that works but yeah it's crazy to see um what rules and regulations are going to be built around this technology
1: Yeah, and government regulation here, I think, is still definitely catching up. It's such a new space, and there's so much uncertainty and unknowns about how to actually have government involvement here. So I think, Katie, you brought up a great point about having strangers in your car. I think insuring these vehicles is going to be a whole different ballgame. A lot
0: of damage, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing to think about.
0: Especially because I know these cars will not be cheap especially if Elon's coming out here saying you can earn around 30k per month in passive income. These cars probably might start at like 200k. It, it's it's crazy. And then-
1: Are they going to be self-cleaning too? Yeah, no,
0: I wish. And then we have, I know there's no gas now, it's electric, but like the mileage and the wear and tear in the car and all of that, It, it there's so many things that are just so, I guess, unknown right now. But- This is really cool and this is something that people should definitely look into from an investment perspective as well, seeing what parts might go into these uh, fully self-driving cars and then maybe even thinking to invest in them if this is the way of the future.
1: Yeah. One thing that we know for certain is that Elon is a visionary and he is a self-fulfilling prophecy. When he puts his mind to something, he goes after it and there's nobody stopping him.
0: I will say this though, I still will not buy Tesla stock. It is so overvalued in my opinion. Um, The PE just boggles my mind, but I definitely would never bet against Elon.
1: And I think that's where a lot of people see value in investing in Tesla. They're not necessarily investing based off of the fundamentals of the company. They're investing in Elon. Elon is their god, right? I I look at like my family members, like my brother and my dad are like huge fans of Musk and Elon is their god. There's nothing not to like
0: about him and if you've seen like with recent events with all this drama surrounding the stock market and these stocks like GME and all these heavily shorted stocks, Elon's like, go check out gme go check out this reddit thread and then everything blows up so whatever elon touches i guess turns to gold
1: yeah that being said tesla is not his only company there's spacex which is another huge company that we know about neuralink is another really interesting one that has a lot of applications to healthcare and just not necessarily healthcare but the way that people think um That's a fairly new company of his that there isn't a huge amount of public information on. I know that there's a lot that's still being developed with Neuralink. But Starlink is another Musk company that is fascinating to think about. And this is another trend and prediction for 2021. Satellite internet is going to be another prominent form of internet delivery to the average consumer. So Starlink launched 60 satellites a month during covid times and now they have about 1000 satellites orbiting earth And what Starlink is doing is it's providing internet through satellites. So there's there's three different kinds of ways to actually receive internet. I used to work um, at one of the big telecom companies, so my knowledge of how internet works is a little bit above the average consumer, I would say. Um, One of the most common ways that we get internet nowadays is through fiber optic cables before it used to be through copper wiring. But now most of the wiring is fiber optic, which basically means we get faster internet. And that's why we're able to get speeds of like up to a gigabit, even two gigabits now, which is just wild. Like the internet speeds that you can get in metropolitan cities are insane. And where that wiring comes from is there was these massive fiber optic cables that were drawn across the Atlantic Ocean from England to New York. What? Yeah. How? How how? How does that even... (laughs) I don't know, they put them down close to 100 years ago. How fiber optic technology works is just fascinating on its own. But satellite internet is even more fascinating because there are so many remote areas in the world that we can't draw these cables through underground. Um, If you look at Canada as a whole, Katie and I right now are based in Toronto, 90% of the population of Canada lives within 100 kilometers of the U.S. border. But there are remote communities and Canada has a massive landmass that's basically unusable because they've never been developed. There's not a lot of infrastructure there. And one of the most important types of infrastructure in our day and age is digital infrastructure. So if we have a way to bring internet to remote communities, now those remote communities are inhabitable and people can live and work there and it's cheaper for them to do so. And now the amount of land that we have is gonna be used in a much more efficient way. So with satellite internet, we're gonna be able to receive speeds right now. There's some pilot projects that he's been working on in the US and they're they're actively um, functioning. So this is in, in the works right now. They have speeds of 50 to 150 megabits that they're delivering. It's costing about $100 per month as part of this pilot program, and it was rolled out in early 2020, and it's going to continue to be rolled out in 2021.
0: So just a question, 50 to 150 megabits, you said, or mega, megabits? Wh- yeah. megabits? Uh, what is that compared to what we get
1: right now? um it depends like alex and i live in a condo so all of our wiring is underground and it's delivered to the entire building through a central um through a central office and we have fiber optic speed so alex and i can get up to a gigabit A gigabit. what's the difference high speed internet is considered anything above 25 megabits per second and that's anything above 25 you can download movies or you can basically download anything um fairly quickly and you can stream netflix you can stream youtube without a problem anything high higher than that. Your your download speeds, there's download and there's upload. So your download speeds, the, the speed at which you're receiving information is, is very quick. So you're able to stream without any buffering. Anytime you're uploading something, let's say you want to put a video out onto the internet or Katie and I do we upload podcasts, that is a different type of speed that um, is basically recording how fast you can put something onto the internet, okay? So 50 to 150 megabits is really fast. 150 megabits is fairly fast. An average speed, if you were to go to your internet service provider and average like um, a low package, like if you want to save some money, you're going to go with the lower speed. Usually you're getting at least 25 to 50 megabits. And if you, you know, game and you need higher speeds, you're going to be paying for a package of like 150 to 300. I think Alex and I right now have 300.
0: So this $100 per month pilot program
1: Is that expensive? I would say so, but it's targeting communities that are remote that don't have access to some of these high-speed underground cabling. And eventually the speeds will become faster. I think that's what they're able to produce right now because they don't have a lot of satellites out there. I'm not sure how satellite internet works exactly because it's a new type of It's a new technology, Yeah. yeah. But what's really fascinating is Starlink has already signed a contract with the Australian government and they are the chosen internet service provider for Australia's 5G network.
0: And it's just crazy to think how this is going to start to affect the telecom businesses, Bell, Rogers, stuff like that. at t All of yeah. them. It's probably going to be a bloodbath coming soon because if Starlink is Um, providing a lot faster I guess higher quality internet through these satellites people are probably going to want to switch over yeah it's it's crazy what what Elon is doing and what's going on right now
1: yeah this is the the beginning of the end of government control and internet access I would say
0: so one thing I read up on is that the U.S. government agreed and they gave SpaceX an $800 million grant to bring Starlink to 35 states, which is absolutely insane.
1: They, they also approved Starlink to launch 30,000 satellites in the next year. And currently, to date for, you know, all of progression in human history, we've had 10,000 spacecrafts launched Jeez, that
0: is 300%. Yeah. 3X. That's Holy. A, that's a lot.
1: And the reason why Elon is so gung ho on Starlink and satellite internet course it has to do with his enhancements in space so starlink is looking to be the service provider for internet in space for people to have bank accounts in space for people to be able to register companies in space and for people to have citizenship registration in space so let's let's go down to the ground for a quick sec so we're talking about spacex allowing companies to be registered in space but let's talk about where companies are headed on the ground on Earth, and the biggest trend that we will see in 2021 is e-commerce growth accelerated to unprecedented levels. If you look at 2020 and what it has taught us, is that e-commerce is invaluable in our society. Consumers have this certain um, way that we've we've been. I I would say spoiled in shopping and if you look at Amazon we expect products to come within two business days we have this um this need for e-commerce shopping and we've completely transitioned our way of of purchasing things e-commerce saw 10 years of growth in 2020 10 years
0: yeah it's crazy especially with the very high unemployment rates that happened in 2020 due to the pandemic and into 2021 as we're still in the midst of this pandemic. And if 2020 has shown us anything, it's that creating a side hustle online is the way to go.
1: Katie, I 100% agree with you. As somebody who is a a entrepreneur to their core, I I see the value in entrepreneurship. And I think Now, with e-commerce being the way that it is, it's an open playing field. It's the Wild West right now. There is so much opportunity here, but the space is getting more and more crowded. And there are people that are going to be starting businesses every day. There's going to be more people flooding marketplaces like Amazon, starting Amazon FBA stores and businesses, starting Shopify stores. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't opportunity out there for you. It just means that there will be more people who want to do the same things that you are doing so it means that you need to find a good niche it means that you need to have a strong product it means that you need to stand out from the competition and it will become a little bit more grueling as advertising space gets crowded so that means there needs to be a much bigger focus on branding and organic content no longer are companies uh, or small businesses going to be able to pay for Facebook advertising and Google advertising and use that to ride out their businesses? They're going to need to create value for consumers and create content that people will organically follow. And there are so many platforms right now that are coming up that are amazing for this, like TikTok, Clubhouse. This is a new platform for entrepreneurs to meet and talk to different entrepreneurs. Yeah, like Nico said, the space will become saturated at some point.
0: Um, And the thing is, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You don't need to do something that's never been done before, never been heard of before. You just need to provide value and get creative with how you're presenting your products or how you're presenting your services to people. And if you can do that, and if you could do that through different advertising, like Nika said, using these different social media platforms. Like TikTok is huge right now. Mm-hmm. And it's something me and Nika are trying to focus more on for our own content for this podcast and how to reach people and educate people when it comes to financial literacy. If you take advantage of these tools and you really learn them and use them to your advantage, there's there's no way that you
1: can't be successful in this space as well. Definitely. And I always joke um, with, with my partners and I say we all attended the University of YouTube. And we, when we hire people in the job description, we actually write out that as part of your training, you're going to attend the University of YouTube because when I hire people, I want to look for self-sufficient people that can go out and do their own research. And right now there are so many free and paid tools that you can use to to learn a new skill and apply that. Like The amount of things that you need to learn in... E commerce um, businesses, if you wanted to start a business, are basic digital advertising tools um, and and skill sets that you can learn online. And we're going to have a separate episode on this because I'm just so passionate about this topic and I want to teach you guys how to go out and start your own business. And I want to bring some value to your lives. So Katie and I will definitely do a new episode on that.
0: And I want to just share this one piece of advice with you guys that I've been told and I feel will make a lot of you very successful if you follow it. You don't need to be good at everything. In order to be successful, you need to just hone in on that one or two things and become a master at that. And once you master two, one or two things, even one thing, and then you leverage that in those skills, the opportunities are endless and you will become successful. Katie,
1: I completely agree with you. Also, going back to the point that you made about the power of TikTok and... Providing value to people. I want to just share a story with you guys and kind of how I got started in e commerce. So, the first business that I launched, I was like in my early 20s, maybe twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two. 22, um, I launched an Amazon FBA store. So, at that point, I was really into self-tanning, um, or I just got started. I was never, like, really into self-tanning, but I I had some friends. We were going out on the weekends, and we were always, like, self-tanning beforehand. She liked a good glow. (laughs) I I liked a good glow. So, I decided to start a Amazon FBA store, and I put together, um, a unique product offering where I had a self tanning kit. So I didn't have any like uh, creams or or things like that. But I had a self tanning glove. I had an exfoliating glove. And then my value add was um, I put in a beauty blender and one of those clear silicone sponges for your face. And my my value add was kind of like um, a digital um, content piece that Walked you through the self tanning process and why you should never self tan your face and how to get an even perfect glow. My company was called Goddess Glow, so I ended up losing four thousand dollars on that business. It did not go as planned. I I learned so much and it really it was the stepping stone for me in e commerce and it taught me invaluable lessons. It taught me about Facebook advertising. It taught me about the importance of branding. Most importantly, it taught me about the importance of how to compete in business and. I was launching a product that wasn't revolutionary. It was a generic product like anybody can go out, find a manufacturer for a self-tanning kit, and go out and produce it. And that was the lesson that I learned. There was nothing proprietary that I was making. There was no value add for a consumer to go and, you know, decide to purchase it. And I was competing against big brands like Saint-Tropez who had the top Amazon listing with thousands of reviews and I had a measly 25. So if I'm a consumer and I put myself in their shoes, obviously I'd purchase the Saint-Tropez one. But the reason I'm telling you guys this is the other day I was on TikTok and Katie and I scroll through TikTok all the time for for business ideas and there's so much value on there if you're looking for the right things. And I came across these two girls in Australia who started a self-tanning kit business and they blew up on TikTok like I'm talking 200,000 views on each one of their stories and definitely that leads to conversions and I've seen their business from one of their first videos to where they are now they've moved into a new office space and they've scaled significantly and what are they doing that I didn't do their branding is impeccable people are addicted to their brand they put in a rose quartz into every package that they send out. They wrap the t- the self-tanning glove into a tube. They put the, s- the crystal at the bottom, self-tanning glove on top, and it's in a beautiful pink and white packaging. And they preach self-care and self-appreciation. And that's why their brand is just skyrocketing. You know, I've learned I've learned a lot over the years and I'm so grateful for starting that one business. So even though I did lose money on it, invaluable lessons learned along the way. But the reason I'm sharing this with you guys is... There is opportunity everywhere. You just need to be really good at what you're doing and find a way to help people fall in love with your with your product.
0: And not just with your product. I think another reason why that brand you're talking about blew up is they bought into those two girls themselves. When you put yourself out there and you put yourself on social media through TikTok, through YouTube, through this, through that and people get to know you, they also buy into you as a person, just like we're buying into Elon as a visionary, as a person, as um, a creator. Mm -hmm. So just be aware of all the opportunities and all the platforms out there for you to help scale a business, an e-commerce business, if that's what you want to do. Really, really valuable stuff, guys. So we talked a little bit about e-commerce. Let's talk about now consumerism and where we see that going for shopping malls, for gyms, stuff like that. How are people now going to pivot from after this pandemic? And where are all these um, retailers going to go now?
1: I don't think they're going to go anywhere, but I think people's behaviors will be different people are going to be afraid. And and you see this all the time, right? I don't know if you guys go for walks. Like I like to go for my midday walk and I like to smile at people and like say hi to somebody when I'm, you know, <laughs> literally crossing them across the street, right? And people avoid eye contact. It's almost like people are afraid to interact with other people nowadays. And i just i don't understand that happened to us on our
0: walk the other day oh yeah
1: i don't remember but it happens all the time like people literally avoid eye contact and i think it comes down to us not interacting with people for a while we're rewiring our social the way we socially communicate and people are social creatures so
0: i guess i was talking more from the perspective or view that you know malls have been closed for months now Mm -hmm. Um, stores have been closed for months now. Restaurants have been closed for months now. Not takeout and stuff like that, but all these places have been closed for months. And I'm sure they carry high rental costs, um, a lot of costs, variable fixed costs that um, they can't cover now because their businesses are shut down. So where do you think it's going to go from that perspective? Do you think there's going to be as many shopping malls going forward, especially now that people are so used to just purchasing things online and from Amazon? That That's what I'm curious about. I'm curious to see um, where that's going to go in the next year or in the
1: future. I think we're going to have a hybrid model for sure. I think there will be some people who still like to go into the store and pick things out. But I think COVID has shown us that the power of um, of AR in physical retail spaces is really important. And people- Can you explain what AR, AR is? AR is augmented reality. So I think that there'll be a lot of people who maybe don't physically feel comfortable going into a physical space, but will want to imagine what that looks like digitally and i think a lot of ar applications like if we're talking about real estate a lot of people were buying real estate and we'll talk about real estate as a whole separate discussion but instead of having people come in for physical showings they were reconstructing and staging properties through augmented reality so they they weren't placing physical furniture in the spaces they were designing it online and it was really cool to see so i think there's going to be ar technology brought into physical spaces and i think vice versa there's going to be physical spaces that are brought in online see i have two conflicting thoughts here i
0: think people are always going to want to go in and try on clothes not always especially at least for me because i have weird sizing my body you know i'm like five nine have hips like it it clothes don't fit me that well and a lot of the times when i purchase clothes online i have to send 90 percent of the stuff back which is so annoying for me And especially the higher the price tag, I'd like to go on, uh, go in, see how it looks, pick it out myself. So there's that perspective. And then there's the perspective now that I value my time so much more now. I might not want to go to the mall, spend my time driving to a mall, spend half an hour, an hour, you know, sifting through clothes, trying things on in change rooms.
1: It's, I, I just don't know where it's going. So definitely interesting to think about. I think the commercial investors, the commercial real estate um, owners are, are really going to be suffering here because they're not going to be finding the right tenants to actually carry some of these properties. And a lot of them are financed. And there's there's a lot of big loans that are out there that need to be covered. And they're relying on, on um, tenant income for that. So I think there's There's going to be a lot of changes there. Um, Commercial real estate, uh, commercial REITs, let's say, are not something that I'd personally be investing in for the next year. Although if they're at their lowest low, I mean, office spaces are definitely something to talk about because a lot of companies are moving away from having in-house office spaces.
0: Yeah, that's another point I wanted to bring up with working remotely from home. I see that as a huge trend that's going to continue into 2021. A lot of companies now, at least... With my mom's company, um, I'm at a startup, so it's kind of new to um, determine. But a lot of, if you can be as efficient 80% of the time at home as you are in the office, it makes so much more sense for them just to continue having you work from home and save on that rental income from their space that they're renting out for their offices. So it's crazy to see how many buildings are going to become vacant
1: in the next year. Definitely a scary thought. But a lot of interesting applications. So I've um, talked to some real estate investors and they're looking at rezoning commercial properties into residential spaces. Which is smart.
0: There's a lack of um, housing on the market right now, at least from what I've seen. Do you get what I'm saying though with shopping malls? Like, I don't know what's going to happen because like Fairview Mall, for example, Eaton Center, Yorkdale, it costs so much to operate that place and keep it going. And if they're not bringing income in, like, I, I just don't know
1: what's going to happen with these buildings. Now they get rezoned. And that's going to be so expensive. Yeah. Maybe they could use those spaces for, you know, homeless sheltering or all kinds of uh, of different, like, community service programs. Maybe we have, like, school, like, different facilities there for children. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is, Katie. I don't think malls are going anywhere in the next 10 years. But 20 years, 25 years, definitely we're going to see some changes. We're, we're talking about predictions for 2021. Um, malls, not something I would necessarily invest in myself, just seeing the way that e-commerce has been blowing up.
0: Not even just malls. Like the other day, and this was so sad for me, I took a walk down Danforth. Um, and for those of you who don't know what the Danforth is, and for those of you who don't know what the Danforth is, it's called a Greek town and I'm Greek. So I've spent a lot of my childhood and my years eating on the Danforth, you know, going to parades, meeting up with my friends, going for a nice frappe, a coffee. And now a lot of these restaurants that I've, you know, eaten at since childhood have shut down because rent is so expensive and they can't cover um, their costs with the amount of income they bring in from their um, Uber Eats deliveries or from, from their pickup deliveries. So it's it's crazy to think how all these experiences we had growing up as children and everything we value is going to change going forward.
1: Definitely. We had Severina on the episode uh, last week, which talked about real estate investing and she's a good friend of mine. So we talk all the time and she works in um, investment banking and also commercial real estate. So I really value her opinions. And she was telling me about all the loans that small businesses right now in Canada are getting and landlords are getting a lot of support. It came a little bit delayed, but landlords, like small business owners who who own their physical spaces, are getting support um, as tenant insurance. So like they're they're not able to evict any tenants, and that goes for residential and commercial spaces, but they're getting support to actually pay for um, for their properties. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's let's pivot a little bit. So we have another trend that, that Katie and I have been thinking a lot about. And um, you guys I'm very excited about this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious to see where this goes. I've, I've invested in companies in this sector, and I see a lot of value in this just um, from my own personal life experiences. Malls have been around since the 60s. And you know what happened in the 60s? The drug ban, <laughs> which is really interesting to talk about. In, in the 60s, there was this big war on drugs, and culturally, I think, um, culture just wasn't ready for, for psychedelics in the 60s, and I think we're ready now. There's been a lot of improvements with psychedelic research. There's been a ton of studies that are are currently being worked on and there's been a lot of interest in um, psychedelic therapy specifically and this is a really interesting trend and prediction for 2021. Uh, I think if we're talking about psychedelics from a therapeutical standpoint, there's a lot of power here for, for people who have depression, anxiety, different kinds of mental illness. There's some companies that are pioneering and paving the way to make radical change here. Companies like Compass, really, really interesting company to look into if you're curious about this space and see as much value in it as I do. And another one that I recently invested in, in uh, early 2020, that has just skyrocketed, brought me over 300%, is MindMed. I just can't stop smiling and laughing because I
0: know you've been ready for this. Especially with, like, I remember a few months back, like, nicole was urging me to like invest in some of these companies she's like katie there's so much potential here i can see these um stocks and companies blowing up so it's nice to hear you talking about this now
1: definitely and i'm i'm a little bit of a psychonaut myself i'd say (laughs) like i i've i've seen a lot of value um just through myself through personal growth and personally i don't have much
0: experience with psychedelics so it's hard for someone who's never tried them before to see much value. But I know you have tried them in a few times. And I know one of the times where, when we were in Prague and on exchange and you and Alex went to Amsterdam. So what are your experiences with psychedelics or being on
1: psychedelics? Yeah, I'm happy to share. Um, in Amsterdam, when Katie was talking about, first of all, drugs are decriminalized and basically legal in Amsterdam. So you can walk into what's called a smart shop and purchase a pack of truffles, which are refrigerated, um, and they have psilocybin in them, which is the compound that actually it's the compound that's found in magic mushrooms that has psychoactive effects on the brain. And what's hilarious about Amsterdam and these smart shops is you get uh, basically like a consumer packaged good that's in this beautiful packaging, and it tells you what the dosage is like, and you can like pick out on a scale what kind of visual effects you want, or if you want um, if you want to have audio effects. And it's it's really interesting how they actually have that scale set up but what's fascinating is there's a customer service number on the box that just is really funny like if you're not satisfied with the purchase please call this number (laughs) because you know i'm what i'm thinking is somebody's having a bad trip they're just they're gonna call this number and complain like i think i got some bad some bad shrooms but no psychedelics i think um I wouldn't say they're for everyone. I think you, you really need to be prepared for what you're getting yourself into. It's a really powerful experience and there's two things that are really important. It's set and setting. Set in the sense of mindset. You need to be in a good space or mental space to be you know, um, discovering different different thoughts that you're going to have and setting is another one. If you're around people who don't support what you're doing, if you aren't in a place where you feel comfortable, you're not going to have a positive experience. So I think those two things are really important to consider. And I, I've only personally tried um, psychedelic substances in a recreational setting because I want to expand my consciousness and see, you know, where where it takes me. And just to give you guys some clarity into what psychedelics do, if you're looking at the human brain, you have neurons, and the neurons are connected through synapses. Or synapses are basically the spaces between neurons. In in everyday life, your brain is connected in a certain way, and your neural pathways are built out. So over time, you do things, and more often, the more often you do certain things, those neural pathways become more and more defined what happens to your brain when you're on psychedelics is it completely disorganizes itself and you form new neural pathways and the more often you think about those things the more often you um you continue with those experiences or those thoughts those neural pathways strengthen so the brain relearns and why it's so important and valuable in therapeutic practices is it breaks down the way that people think about themselves and it allows the brain to form new neural pathways. And I'm not a scientist, guys. You sound like one right but, now. <laughs> but I'm just really curious about this. And I've read a lot about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about it. I think, you know, if you're in a good mind state and you're you're open to having these experiences and it being truly revolutionary, like I have learned so much about myself, about the world, about compassion. Um, when you're on Psychedelics, kitty, you ask me what your experience is like. Every, every drug is a little bit different. And that's one thing. That I think we need to recognize is that it is a drug it changes your frame of reference it changes your 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 state of being and if you're not comfortable with that if you're not comfortable in letting go and surrendering this is not an experience for you and by no means do I want you to listen to this podcast and say Nika said we should all try some psilocybin no I want you to do your research if it's something that you're curious about there are different different things that you can explore like microdosing I have a few friends that um microdose psilocybin on um every other day or every four days, they'll they'll take a small dosage, which is usually less than 1.1 um, of a gram of, um, of psilocybin, for example, and they take it in a capsule form and it just, it makes them a little bit more creative. Again, it, it creates new pathways, and it allows them to think in different ways. So that's why they do it. Okay.
0: So Nika, you said two things you have to prep for before taking these psychedelics is set. So mindset and setting. You talked about how this could be revolutionary for mental health and health practices. Mm-hmm. So people with mental health issues, um, how does that help them when it comes to like mindset? You know what I mean? Maybe they might not be in the proper mindset if they do have mental health health issues yeah. to take these psychedelics. So how does that work there?
1: So in October of 2020, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, took an extraordinary step in in breakthroughs in this industry so they granted access or they, they granted um the acceptance of psilocybin therapy for depression in the form of a breakthrough therapy designation so what that basically means is they're allowing a treatment for people with depression and the fda is is allowing um is allowing doctors and practitioners to expedite the development and the review phase so it's still not fully legal yet but they're allowing research and development to be conducted, to be conducted which is why there, there's so much value in um in these drugs coming in and being a part of these breakthrough therapies so if you are somebody that suffers through mental illness whether it be anxiety depression um you know wh- whatever you're going through and you you want to seek out a psilocybin therapy you have a practitioner who's there with you, it's usually about a five to, six, five to eight hour experience. And there's somebody with you guiding you through the experience. So they're helping you through it. Oh, they're, they're not, not in alone. it with you. You're not alone. You might have a blindfold on. They might ask you questions about what you're experiencing, what you're seeing. And they're getting you to discover more about yourself. And I think what it comes down to the core, you asked me, how do these treatments actually work? Well, I've, I've personally, like, I've gone through a lot of these, things myself and you tap into this this feeling of love for love and compassion and it's it's hard to explain unless you've tried it and then if you have you know exactly what I'm talking about you find yourself connected to every being in this universe every every living creature you find yourself connecting to nature and connecting to others in such a profound way and you tap into this sense of love And you use that sense of love to rebuild how you think about yourself. When it comes to depression, I've suffered through depression, stages of depression myself, like in my like early teenage years, and the way that I helped myself get out of it, I never had any kinds of like any kind of clinical support or or anything like that, but um, mantras and just the power of positive thinking really helped me in building self confidence, and I think that's the core of what this this powerful compound can do is it can help build build self confidence and self love and self appreciation.
0: So this this could really blow up when it comes to therapy with um psychiatrists or what's the other psychologists and stuff like that that's yeah that's crazy
1: yeah and psilocybin's not the only one like mdma which is not considered a psychedelic drug
0: is that the rave drug is that's that the rave drug yeah oh that's molly it's uh
1: um it has a lot of um of treatment potential for people with ptsd and there's a lot of studies that are currently being done on that tim ferris who is a bit of a thought leader um i have a lot of his books he's an author really value what he says he talks about the power of um of mdma he's committed a million of his own dollars into mdma research and if you guys are curious about this i think we'll wrap it up here but if if you guys are curious about this space and you want to learn more a great book to read is michael pollan's book that he published in 2018 how to change your mind and it's about his it's about his own experience with um with psychedelics and and psychotherapies and um it's just a fascinating read and and he talks about a lot of those things that we mentioned like with set and setting and the value of it and yeah it's it's interesting to um, to research if you're curious about you know spiritual growth or psychological healing and you you want to learn a little bit more about it i mean psychedelics have been a part of culture in ancient times for for such a long time there's a lot of new research that's coming out that shows that um, it's been around these substances have been around since the ancient greek times and if you look at Indigenous cultures, like cultures in the Amazon, there, there are um, therapeutic practices that are used, like ayahuasca, which is another psychoactive drug, that are used in these rituals to help heal people. So culturally, there is there is a lot of value here, and I think more and more people are talking about it. It's becoming less taboo to talk about, and this is a big trend that I see changing in 2021, as these companies like Compass, MindMed, there is tons of them now that are coming up, this is, I think, the new...
0: So what exactly do you see in the psych- psychedelic space happening for 2021? Do you, do you see these becoming more socially acceptable? Do you see these, um, you know, progressing and actually becoming, um, developing into therapeutic or therapies for people? What, do you, what exactly do you see for 2021 in this space?
1: There's definitely going to be more um, therapy applications for psychedelic drugs. I think recreationally, people are going to be more and more curious about it. And I think if you're going to go down that route, um, think about set and setting. But from a consumer um, packaged goods standpoint or from a market perspective, I think there's going to be a bit of a gray area. And for all our Canadian listeners, I'm not sure if you guys remember before weed was legalized in Canada, but there was this big gray market where um, dispensaries started popping up. And the police were shutting them down slowly. But then at one point, they just kind of turned a blind eye towards it and they stopped shutting them down and there was a huge boom of dispensaries that popped up around big metropolitan cities like toronto so i think i think this is going to be the next gray market boom and i think in terms of legalization denver um or colorado has already legalized um psilocybin and different psychedelic drugs oregon
0: europe is just so ahead of us in everything especially with drugs like the fact that mushrooms have been legal or not illegal for years now and we're starting to talk about it is crazy. North America, I think, when it comes to like the drug market and medicinal practices is pretty behind in their times.
1: I definitely agree. I think if you look at private prisons in the U.S. and, and how archaic that system is, it's it baffles me sometimes to think about that somebody could be put in jail with a lifetime sentence for possession of marijuana.
0: Marijuana, yeah. yeah and, and Trump I think, and with the help of Kim Kardashian and stuff like that, was help, helping pardon a lot of those people with life sentences just for having a certain amount of marijuana on them. But anyways, um, we've talked a lot about psychedelics. Let's transition. Um, still on the healthcare topic. Let's talk about telehealth and where we see that going. So right now, I don't know about you guys, but when I have um, appointments with my doctor, it's done via phone call or via s- Zoom and this is due to covid and um, trying to make sure everyone's safe and healthy and this allows us to cut the waiting rooms it allows um virtual for virtual prescriptions um but something that i think is a little weird about all of this is the fact that yes you can explain your symptoms to the doctor but it's just weird for me how they they can't physically you know check your heart rate they can't look in your ears i don't know exactly what they do when they do this but um, it, it it's it's weird and it's cool at the same time. Um, what are your thoughts on this?
1: I I think it's fascinating to see where telehealth is going. I think Katie, you mentioned you are starting to value your time a lot more. Yes. And I completely agree. I I hate going into the doctor. You know, or even the walk-in clinic where you're spending hours in the waiting room. Like that is unnecessary time that's just wasted. So I think there's a lot of a lot of um, really great applications with this I had an eye infection a few months back and I remember sending (laughs) pictures of my eye to the doctor through email him calling me back being like yeah most likely it's this we're gonna try this antibiotic prescription I've emailed it to you you can go pick it up at shoppers and um, yeah we'll try that for a week if it doesn't work you can come in and see me and I can examine it, you know, and make sure everything's going on. But most likely this is the case based on this, this, and this.
0: For a t- From a time perspective, I completely agree. Like I can have a 15 minute appointment during work with my doctor, which before I had to take an hour or a lunch or leave work early just to make sure I make my appointment. Because a lot of doctor's offices aren't open on the weekend. Um, when I mean doctor's offices, I mean um, general practitioners, GPs. Um, So it's, it's crazy from that perspective. I just don't know how effective and efficient it'll be for most things if they can't physically, you know, look at the problem or touch the problem and stuff like that.
1: You're definitely right. I, I don't think we're going to have physical health care go away anytime soon. But I um, hope not. No, God, I hope not. Definitely not. But, but they were
0: talking also about robot, like robot... Um, surgeries? Surgeries and all of that, which is crazy to me. Have
1: you seen that show on Netflix? I think it's called The Surgeon's Cut. Let me look it up.
0: I've seen Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm obsessed with.
1: Yeah, it's called the Surgeon's Cut. It's a Netflix show. Um, it's a miniseries, and it's just the first episode is really, really tough to watch. And you, you see the doctor perform surgeries on um, on pregnant women, and it's not as invasive of a surgery as it as it would be normally. And it's just fascinating to see. But the robotic implications in surgeries nowadays are huge. So I think if you're somebody who wants to look ten years ahead and and think about where there are companies that are going to blow up and boom robotics specifically in healthcare is a really interesting really interesting one telehealth applications whether it's you know improving infrastructure or the supply chain of telehealth the documentation and the digitalization of records
0: the apps that you're going to use to like explain um your symptoms and stuff like that yeah, it's going to blow up. There's going to be a lot more things developing in the next few months or few years. That's something you guys should definitely look into from an investment perspective as well.
1: While we're on the topic of healthcare, there's another really interesting trend that's happening and it's with our aging population. So a lot of the the baby boomers that we've had are retiring now, like like Katie's parents my dad for example. And my mom, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um Our population is aging and so healthcare facilities are going to become more and more crowded. And that's something to think about. If you wanted to invest in privatized um, retirement homes, I see a lot of value there because those privatized retirement homes are so expensive. They definitely turn hefty profits. And it's just an interesting sector. I don't think it's something that the traditional investor looks at. But it's an opportunity where we're going to see a lot of growth in the next 10 years for sure. In the next year, I'd say we're definitely going to see some growth there as well.
0: I completely agree. Uh, just to put into perspective for you guys, a few years back, um, after my grandfather passed away and my grandma started developing some health issues, we were looking at some senior housing for her just because the house was too big for her and she didn't have a bathroom on the main floor. So going up and down the stairs, there's so many safety hazards and being able to put her in a home with some around-the-clock care just would be more convenient. But there was like five-year waiting list. I think it was something like eight to ten grand per month. It was just ridiculous. And there's, it's a huge, huge profit margins there.
1: Yeah, if you're looking at ten grand per month, that's that's somebody's full-time salary. More that's than a, that, that's more than six... the
0: average person. No, that's
1: $120,000. That's a six-figure salary. That's like crazy to think about. Which is why, if you listen to our last episode about awkward conversations about money, with the population aging, especially your parents, if you're listening to this and you're a millennial, definitely important to have that conversation and say, "What are, what's your retirement plan? How are you planning for, for this? How are you going to plan to take care of yourself in your later years? And do you need my help?"
0: And yeah, I actually got a comment from my cousin who listened to that episode saying, "Hey, like, I didn't know how to relate to, um, that because I." my parents have government jobs, like, I don't need to ask them about their retirement. But the fact of the matter is, that is not the norm for a lot of people. A lot of people don't have, or a lot of people's parents don't have government jobs with great pensions and stuff like that. So if you know your parents aren't in that position and might need some support going forward, then that's definitely a conversation that you need to start having with them.
1: Yeah. While we're on the topic of saving another trend and this is the last trend that we'll comment on for 2021 is the war on cash and we've talked about bitcoin we've talked about cryptocurrency and why someone would want to invest in them doge dogecoin to the moon baby oh my god <laughs> I, I actually bought some dogecoin um just just to kind of fuck around a little bit i i don't normally make really big speculative investments but you know what like it's it's gambling money and we'll see if uh I mean Vegas isn't open right now for us anyway
0: so might as well have some fun somewhere else I called it doggy coin today and, <laughs> and Nico laughed at me He's just like what the is your issue doggy coin uh coin doge doge coin <laughs> yeah so
1: it is called doge coin for anyone that doesn't know and they've um they've grown like 930 percent
0: and do you know why they've grown?
1: Elon Musk. Because
0: of the Elon, yeah. He tweeted about it and he just friggin' blew it up Blew up like everything else blows up when Elon talks about it, so.
1: Elon is our god. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, so we're talking about the war on cash, um, as we talked about in a previous episode with our Bitcoin, the large amounts of stimulus and cash that our government and governments all around the world are printing. It is um, without a doubt that our dollar is going to come heavily devalued due to inflation. And we need to find ways to hedge against this. So we've already talked about Bitcoin, cryptocurrency.
1: Yeah, if we look at international markets, because when when we live in North America, it's really easy to see the world from a North American lens and think that that is the be end and end all of life. But there are so many other markets and Economies in the world that you've got to consider. So, if you look at China and their currency, the yuan, in China in 2019, 80% of all payments in China were made through WeChat or Alipay. And the digital currency electronic payment, DCEP, will be a block based digital version of the yen. So, in China specifically, if in 2019, two years ago, 80% of their payments were digital, where do you think 2021 is headed? truly where people aren't going in person and going to markets like cash was always used in underground situations or in-person events and i think there's a lot of value
0: we're getting rid of cash it's just that simple as well especially because everything's becoming devalued and i don't know if you saw a few months ago the government announced that there's going to be this e-wallet coming up now where we're going to have all our driver's license and health cards and forms of id on this wallet this electronic wallet so I think that's where money's going as well it's going to become electronic it's yeah whether that's in the form of bitcoin or an electronic currency that the government's going to come up with I think we're heading far away from cash in the future so that's something definitely to look into to be cognizant about Um, I think it's really important to start thinking about how you're going to hedge against this inflation because it is a real deal it's really scary and we need to protect ourselves. So that is something you should definitely consider going further into 2021 and in the preceding years ahead.
1: And from an investment standpoint, something to think about a couple of companies that are leading this war on cash are companies like Square. Oh yeah. <laughs> really interesting investment. Also Visa, Mastercard, PayPal, PayPal Stripe. All of, of our all of our payments for e-commerce are done through Stripe as mm-hmm. an intermediary. So really interesting companies to look at growing you know even though visa and mastercard are established companies they're still going to see a lot of growth
0: visa is a great one i i invest in visa and i think even when this does turn to digital currency and all of this stuff visa mastercard the big players are are gonna have a piece of that game anyways they're not going anywhere so those are good companies to
1: also invest in and look into Completely agree with you. I think that's that's where we're going to wrap up for today, guys. We went through a lot.
0: We talked about a lot of interesting topics today, a lot of things we find value in and we see
1: potential in. Yeah,
0: for the future. Thank you. I had a brain fart there. Yeah, potential in. And we hope that you guys take away some value from this and start considering um, where our future is going and try to create those opportunities for, for yourselves.
1: And switch your thinking from a scarcity to an abundance standpoint. When you see posts that say, if only you had invested in Tesla 10 years ago, you would be worth this much. Think about what you should invest in if you were in yourself or think about what you would have invested in 10 years from now and what actions you should take today to get you there.
0: Coulda, woulda, shoulda, not for us. We're looking, we're forward thinking, we're looking into the future and we're going to make more money, so.
1: Most importantly, Katie, we're going to take action.
0: Oh yeah, (laughs) but thank you so much for listening as always. We will be back next Tuesday with a new episode and we hope you guys have a great rest of your week
1: as always guys if you find value in our episode it would mean the world to us if you shared it with your friends family or, or anybody that you think is going to get some value out of this and it would mean the world to us if you checked out our our links on our link tree and
0: listen we love dms we love emails if you found value in this or if you have any criticism let us know we're always open to conversation we're always open to feedback we want to constantly improve and provide the most value for you guys as possible And the only way we can do that is if we get your feedback. So
1: we would really love that and appreciate that. Definitely, guys. We appreciate each and every one of you. As always, we'll see you next Tuesday.